Hello and welcome to another episode of Woman Advantage Quarantine Edition. I am very excited to be joined remotely, obviously, because we're social distancing still at this point, with Haley Salvian. She is a wonderful reporter for The Athletic. She covers my secret second favorite team, the Ottawa Senators. Welcome, Haley. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I should have warned you before we got started. I love Brady Kachuk with my whole heart. Um, he is my my demon son, <laughs> and I will be probably asking questions about him at some point. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. That's. Uh, I mean, that's good to know. I'm definitely glad that uh, I'm able to join you now then. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get started with what I call a softball question. Um, how did you get started in hockey? Ooh, so... I mean, my career path was kind of uh, different. I mean, I think everyone kind of had a different path to to getting where they are in this business. And some people are kind of still maneuvering those paths for sure. Um, For me, I actually got started in news. Um, I always knew that I wanted to do hockey. Um, So I went to the Ryerson Journalism School. So I had a Bachelor of Journalism degree. Um, but when I went to that program, I always knew that, you know, I wanted to be a hockey reporter or at least a sports reporter. Uh, but I, I knew how competitive the industry can be. And I'm sure you know that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just how difficult it is to to break into not just sports, but a very specific hockey beat as well. So when I went to school, I made sure that I was able to kind of learn everything. Um, so I did news, I did investigative, I did sports, I did radio, TV, uh, print, feature writing, all that stuff. Um, and I mean, I think my first year of university is the last year that they actually taught news, like a newspaper class. Um, so I did some newspaper stuff, but then they kind of got rid of that for more multimedia stuff. But I digress. So I did the Bachelor of Journalism program. And then my uh, my internship coordinator, so we did an internship in the final year of the program. And the coordinator said, Haley, like, we want you to do the CBC News internship. Um, You have to, you can only be recommended for it. Um, And I was like, well, well, I was kind of hoping to try maybe Sportsnet or TSN. They're like, no, no, like you're doing the CBC. (laughs) It's like, okay, cool. So I ended up getting this, I got recommended and then I did the interview process and I interned at CBC News Toronto. So uh, I was kind of just chase producing. I got to do some web and radio stuff. I actually got to interview Wayne Gretzky, which was, I was like, I think I peaked. Like, I think I'm going to retire. Um, And yeah, it was really cool. He had a a new whiskey that came out. So it was at the LCBO and everyone's asking about the whiskey and uh, like, tell us about the flavor notes. And I was like, what? No, I was like, Wayne, what do you think about Austin Matthews? Because it was like the day after Austin Matthews scored four goals in his debut. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to be the one that asks a hockey question. We're at the LCBO. It's 11 in the morning. Like, I'm not asking about your whiskey with all due respect. And then we ended up, um, it was kind of my first byline um, for Hockey Night in Canada and for, for CBC Sports. And it was like Wayne Gretzky, you know, gives Austin Matthews the nod of approval. Um, so it was really cool. So I think that kind of just highlights for me, like, I was in news, but I always had a keen eye and keen interest in sports. So I stayed at CBC, I got hired after my internship, and I kind of just kept on moving to different roles. So I started producing, and then I did web and radio reporting, and then I actually moved to Saskatchewan to do TV. So I was a TV reporter at the 6 o'clock news. Um, But while I was doing all that, I was um, freelancing for NBACanada.com. I was working for the Oshawa Generals, um, and then... I ended up pitching a freelance story about Natalie Achanwa and life of a WNBA player. 
And I pitched that to The Athletic. I wrote the story. And then, you know, about a week or so later, I got a call from James Myrtle. And he was like, hey, we kind of want to offer you a job. Would you move back to Toronto? So I said yes. And then I did the year of um, general reporting for The Athletic. And then I got moved here to Ottawa. So I don't even know if I even answered your question. That was such like a roundabout way. But that's kind of the, the path that I took in the last, I guess it's only been about two and a half three years maybe since I graduated, but that's kind of how I got from, you know, journalism school to the Sens beat reporter. Yeah, that's, it's so cool. You <laughs> That's my spark note. Yeah. You crammed so much life experience and work experience into such a short amount of time. So you are obviously very good at what you do. <laughs> I think it was like, I, I'm not one, I would never say, you know, I, I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm, I'm kind of awkward in the sense that I'll never toot my own horn but I I think that it was like a mix of luck and timing but also like pursuing opportunities so I was working full-time for CBC I could have just left it there but just the way that the contracts work there I wasn't full-time staffer I was what they would call a casual so I was allowed to freelance still even though I was full-time so I could freelance as long as it wasn't for a competitor so I was able to work for the Oshawa Generals so I had my full-time you know making my living in news, but I was still able to put my foot in the sports store. And so I got that Oshawa General's job so I could remain in the hockey realm because I knew I didn't want to, you know, wipe myself off the sports map. So I, you know, I was in news, that was my main opportunity, but I was still trying to find all these little ways that I could, you know, get experience and find my way back into sports because I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I was very, very keen on finding those little opportunities where I could. So I did cram a lot in <laughs> and that was just because I, I searched for it. I worked really hard to find those little opportunities and it ended up working out really well. Yeah, that's really cool. And since you brought it up, you did work for the Oshawa Generals <laughs> for a while. What was it like to work for an OHL team? Yeah, I mean, I speak so highly to everybody and even on my Twitter page, like I'll, I don't work for the team anymore and you know, you obviously can't have any bias, but I don't cover junior hockey. So I will, you know, I'll go and I'll post a a cool video that the Oshawa Generals did because I am such a champion of the content that they produce. One of my best friends is in charge of their communications and their game day. Like she had, and she just has so many jobs. She wears so many hats for the Oshawa Generals. um, And she does such a great job creating content for them. So I'm still pretty huge on, you know, boosting the Oshawa Generals content. But um, it was really awesome. It was a really great experience. I was there for two full seasons, so a little over two years from the time I got hired um, to when I had to leave. And it was just great. You know, I met so many great people there. The owner, Rocco Tulio, has done such a great job building a community in Oshawa, and he really cares about investing in that team and those players, obviously, in the ways that he can, you know, he has NHL grade facilities in there for those players. And, um, you know, the players are always nice. I never had any kind of issues. I know some sometimes there's not horror stories. I don't want to be melodramatic, but I do know sometimes people have unfortunate experiences working in hockey uh, early on. And I never had any problems. You know, everything about working for Oshawa was excellent. And I think I went into the job so passionate and so happy to be there that a lot of the people I met along the way are kind of, they're pretty important in the hockey realm. And I, and I think it kind of gave me um, a bit of a good reputation before I could even actually get into the industry. Um, There was one game I hosted and I'm still mortified by it. (laughs) 
Um, it was uh, it was the Canada Russia series. I was hosting one of the games, and so we had all this. Um, we had a lot of sponsor packaging from the league, and they were all mandatory. So I had someone from the league following with a clipboard, and he had a checklist, making sure I like said everything on as a T. And one of the things was I had to play by play call these like chicken nuggets <laughs> playing hockey on the video board, and. I'm like walking through the concourse. I'm like, oh God, oh God, I've got to talk about this like honey garlic chicken nugget who's about to like do a shootout on <laughs> Buffalo chicken nugget. And Kyle Dubas was there. John Shake is there. Like all the scouts are there. Like all these GMs are there. And I'm play by play calling these like chicken nuggets playing hockey on the video board. And I was, I was so embarrassed, but you know, I did it. It was my job and it was you know, it's the sponsor packaging that we do. And I still always go back to that when I think of where I am now to where I was like two years ago, like play by play calling chicken nuggets to, you know, <laughs> actually interviewing some of these GMs that would have seen me do that. And But it was so fun. And like I said, everybody who worked for that organization was excellent. And uh, it's funny now being with Ottawa because, you know, like I mentioned with Rocco, Rocco Tulio was the owner when DJ Smith, and Bob Jones were coaching in Oshawa, mm -hmm. and now they're both coaching with the Ottawa Senators. And then, obviously, Pierre Dorian, the general manager, he's been connected with the GM in Oshawa and the owner in Oshawa. So my very first day on the Ottawa Senators beat, um, G the GM, Pierre Dorian, and his AGM, Peter McTavish, they came up to me and said, you're Haley, right? You're from you're from Oshawa. Welcome to, welcome to Ottawa. Welcome to the beat. Congratulations. And... You know, that never would have happened those two years under my belt with such a great organization. And I didn't have that really great relationship and trust with someone like Rocco and, and everyone else from that team. So it was really cool the way that that worked out. Just the, the connections with the gens run really, really deep. And I'm just so appreciative of my time there. The yeah. chicken nuggets included. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess there are worse things to be play by play calling for promotions. It could have been like tires or something. So at least it was a tasty treat. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't even remember the brand of chicken nuggets. I'm so bad. I should have remembered. Would have uh, made it better, but. <laughs> oh, well. We don't have any sponsors on this podcast, so we have to be brand neutral. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I'm glad I forgot. <laughs> so before you covered the Sens for The Athletic, um, you did work as the general reporter for The Athletic in Toronto covering a variety of sports. So what's it like to have your own beat? Yeah, it's been really different, actually. And it's, um, you know, I really liked being a general assignment reporter. And I did find that when I was the the quote unquote GA, it was um, early on, it was really tricky, because you basically you talk to your editors and you say, Okay, so like, what does this mean? What can I do? And they're like, Oh, anything, you can do anything as long as it's not, you know, the Leafs or the Raptors, uh, the Blue Jays, essentially, as long as it's not the big the big four teams in, in Toronto. So like you can do whatever you want. Um, so at first it was really tricky because like, there's almost too many options and you just get overwhelmed with trying to keep your finger on the pulse of so many different things. So I found um, what I, when I started actually finding more success in that role is when I kind of narrowed that down. So I started really working the Marley's beat and really working the women's hockey beat. So having those two, while it's still a lot, I was able to, um, do them a lot better. And, you know, I, I very much became one of the, you know, one of the bigger voices on in women's hockey, at least for our company. 
um, because I was able to cover the CWHL before it actually folded. And I had so many great experiences with the players there. And then obviously we know everything, all the friction that's been happening in the women's game right now. And I find that that year that I had covering the league before all this drama happened has really helped um, because, you know, I was there and I was around and I cared before there was a national story to it. So um, I really liked having the women's hockey beat and having the Marley's beat was great, but um, having my own beat with the senators has been awesome because it's, it's my full-time job. You know, I'm at the rink every day, or at least I was at the rink every single day. I was at practice, um, games, you go on the road with the team and that's when you really get to start fostering those relationships that lead to the better in-depth feature stories that the athletic loves to do so much. Um, I find that if you really want to do a good feature, you can't just meet someone one day, introduce yourself and then say, okay, now tell me everything about your life that you've never opened up about before, because they're going to look at you and say, well, who are you? How do, how do I know you're not about to write a, a hit piece on me and, or you're not going to sewer me online? Um, so I found having my own beat and being there every single day, they, they know your face, they know your name, they get to know your not brand, but they get to know what you're about. And, you know, with the athletic and just the way that I like to write, I'm very much about features and I'm very much about offbeat stuff. You know, I'm not going to be in the locker room every single day, grilling guys about the power play or, you know, trying to be controversial. I want them to trust me. I want to build that relationship. So I can write the the really lovely feature about something great that's happened or even sometimes when it's something that's maybe not as great going on in their lives. Um, you get to build that relationship and that trust. Um, like I said, I was able to do that on the women's hockey beat, um, but the Marlies was a bit harder. And then when you start just trying to do a story about women's basketball or or X, Y, Z, and you're, you're walking in and nobody knows who you are, it's a lot harder for them to open up and trust you. So that's probably been the best part about having a beat is building those relationships and that really fundamental trust to, to do the job well. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, when you have your own beat, when you've got, you know, a group of players that you see pretty much every day, you then know, like, what questions to ask them that's going to give them like get them to give you more information and kind of like have a conversation instead of just grilling them about you know whatever the topic is yeah for sure and then it's little things that you notice as well um like if you get to practice early every day which I I would try to do but sometimes um I have a I have dogs here and so sometimes you know if the walk takes a while I would show up if you show up to practice right on time you are late because there's so many little golden nuggets that you can find if you're there early and you stay late um you know who's the first player on who's the first player off who's working on what with who um you mentioned Brady Kachuk, you know, he's always out there tipping pucks. He's always out there working with Shabbat. He's either in front of the net or he's just along the boards tipping pucks, you know, 15 to 20 of them a practice before, after. Um, Colin White was always the first guy on the ice. You know, it's little nuggets like that that you learn when you're around the team all the time. So it's really good. Yeah, that's that's awesome. As a woman working in sports, and especially as a young woman, do you feel like you're treated differently than your male counterparts? You know, I, I don't think I've, I haven't, at least on the Senator's beat, I haven't encountered anything that would be um, outright that you could say without a doubt, I'm being treated this way because of my gender and my age. Um, I think sometimes I get it maybe a little bit, it's not that it's all in my head, but I, I'm very, very aware that I am 
the only young woman on this beat. Um, I'm the only girl that's around the team full time, you know, every practice on the road. Um, Lisa Wallace from the Canadian press um, covers some games and she does a great job and, and she'll be at practice sometimes. But um, on a full time basis, I'm the only girl that's in the in the room every single day. And other than Kyle Bukoskis from Sportsnet, I'm the youngest person there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very much alone in, in my age and my gender on a day to day basis. So um, I think when I started, I was just hyper aware of that. And I was worried about the way that it would look if I tried to do some of those relationship building things that I spoke about. Um, you know, a lot of the the times when you're building a relationship with the player, it's not in a scrum. It's when you go up to their stall and just say, Hey, my name's Haley. And, and then you just start chatting with them and you, you know, you go up to them the next day, you know, how's your wife? How's your kid? How's your dog? Um, and I think I was just hyper aware of the fact that me sitting down with say Mark Borowiecki and, and chatting and, and maybe we'll share a joke or share a laugh. It looks a lot different than, than a man doing it. And so I was very hyper aware of the fact that I didn't want it to look like I was doing something wrong. Um, if that makes any sense, you know, if a girl sits down next to a male player and they start laughing, you know, the way it could be taken the wrong way. People could say like, Oh, is she flirting with him? What's she doing? What's her intention here? That's so unprofessional. Um, when the reality is, is I'm asking a player about their wife and, or their dog or their family to try to get, you know, they're, they're going to trust me. And I genuinely care, you know, these, these guys are humans. And I think sometimes that's lost. I'm not saying it's lost in Ottawa, but you know, I, I think they appreciate when someone actually takes an interest to talk to them a, like a human being, not just a hockey player. Um, but it looks a lot different, you know, if a if a male goes and sits down next to a male player and they start laughing about something, it's just, oh, yeah, they're just chatting. Um, so I think that's the one thing that I would highlight is I, I just never wanted to be taken that I was, you know, being unprofessional when I'm. And I, so I think I try a lot harder to make sure I'm professional. I, I try a lot harder to make sure that I'm as educated as possible. Um, because while I may not have experienced it, I do believe that there's still, you know, if you, if a, if a young woman makes a mistake, you're going to get the, Oh, this is why women shouldn't be in hockey. And I got that. I got that my first year on the beat. I think I, uh, my first year on the Marley's beat, I think I said something, um, about Garrett Sparks and I was like, he's like I said, something about Garrett Sparks, and then all the comments were like, "This is why the athletic doesn't shouldn't hire women." And I was like, "There's like ten other dudes with the exact same take as me, and no one's saying that you shouldn't be employed." Um, so I, I found that you know, as a woman, if you make a mistake, or as a woman, if you build a relationship with an athlete, you're always going to be taken differently than a man would. Those would be the main things. Yeah, yeah. It's like if a woman does something and people don't like it, it reflects poorly on every other woman who's in that profession. <laughs> but if a, if a male yeah. reporter were to say the exact same thing, no one would be like, well, all men shouldn't be allowed to cover hockey because people are used to seeing men cover hockey. Yeah, exactly. You feel a little bit more on your shoulders knowing um, you know, how few women are in the position as you. And so not, I don't always want to be individually successful, but I always want to do the job properly and I want to do it well mm -hmm. for me and for my company. Um, but at the same time, you always know that in the back of your mind, you're doing this for women too, because if you make a mistake or you slip up, 
it may not be true, but there's going to be a lot of voices saying like, oh, you just like mess this up for women, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That has to be a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> You've mentioned a couple of people who've kind of helped you in your career, um, but like who are some of the people you'd say have, you know, helped you the most get to where you are? Yeah, I, I would say when I was in university, um, I was taught by Sean Fitzgerald. He was my sports reporting professor. And and him and I always joke, you know, I almost failed my first assignment in his class because I think I misspelled a bunch of people's names. And I was just lazy. I was like, oh, this is an easy assignment. I love sports. This is great. And I think I took it for <laughs> granted. And so I almost failed his first assignment. And then I ended up working with him. We communicated a lot. I ended up, I obviously passed the class. And and Sean actually ended up being the one in James Myrtle's ear saying, you know, we should take a look at hiring this girl. I, I taught her in university. She's um, super great. Uh, and then so he ended up being one of the main reasons I got hired at The Athletic and he ended up being my boss. Um, so I credit so much to Sean. He taught me so much. Um, you know, he taught me the the right ways to to feature right and proper ways to interview and he always brought in different people into the class to to talk to us and so I credit that sports reporting class a lot for for helping me find my way um you know it's the little things like never ask a question that says tell me about or you know how did you feel when you scored the like gold medal winning goal like eh, maybe don't ask those questions um, cause you're going to get a cliche back. So I always credit Sean so, so much. And I'm so appreciative for everything he taught me and, and did to help me get to this point. Jeff Merrick from Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada has been someone that I've leaned on a lot this year. If I ever have a question or a concern or, you know, I'm just struggling with something on the beat. Um, he's someone that I met that I've always been able to lean on and ask for advice. He's been excellent, um, Christine Simpson is probably one of the greatest people. Um, when I got this job offer, I sent her a message and we went for coffee and, and she, she helped me out a lot. I mean, there's just so many people who've helped me, um, from this industry. Like, I, I don't know if I've really encountered anyone who has not been generous with their time. Like these are like those three names, like Sean and Christine and, and Jeff, like, they have huge jobs in this industry and they're so incredibly important. And the fact that they take, you know, any amount of time to talk to me and help me, it has been crazy. Like it, it, to me, you know, I grew up watching specifically Christine, like she's the reason I got into this industry. I remember watching hockey night in Canada as a kid and seeing her do that. And I was like, I like sports. I talk a lot. I think I want to be Christine Simpson when I grow up. And like, that was very much the moment for me was seeing her on hockey night and then seeing Kate Burness on the desk and then seeing Aaron Andrews sideline. Like those were kind of the big three for me growing up that made me want to do this. So Christine's probably the big one, you know, just because it feels almost full, full circle in a way. Cause you know, it was watching her on TV that made me think that this was something I could achieve. And then having her be someone who's helped me along the way has been just crazy to me. Um, there's so many names and I feel bad, like I'm going to forget them all, but like really if there's somebody who's in this business, like they've probably helped me because Lord knows I ask for advice all the time. Um, Katie Strang's been great. Her and I worked on a lot of the big national women's hockey stories together last year. And, and when I got this Senator's job, she sent me this like huge document with all this advice. And I really took all that advice to heart this year. And I, and I think it really has helped me find my way a lot, you know, even just the younger 
generation too. You know, I worked on the Marlies with Scott Wheeler. Um, him and I are the same age, but he's been in this industry so much longer. So he's been super helpful. Um, just really everyone with our company has been great. I feel bad. Like, I feel like I'm going to get the music that gets me off the stage. You know, I can't think of everyone <laughs> I want to thank, but yeah, those are probably the big ones, but there's just been so many people that have helped me along the way. Yeah. Yeah. The athletic has such a really great cast of hockey writers. It's kind of unbelievable. Like Katie Strang is probably mm-hmm. my favorite hockey writer, like hands down. She does such a great job of covering not just the sport, but like the culture of the sport so it's really, really awesome that you have, you know, a mentor like that who you can go to if you have questions. Mm-hmm. What's been really great about The Athletic is we have such a network of people that you maybe would never have been able to to reach out to or get in touch with. Like if I wasn't with this company, I don't know how I would try to slide into Katie Strang's DMs. Like it's just kind of weird unless you meet them organically. But yeah, you basically, we just have this network of such incredible journalists that you can reach out to with anything and everyone's so helpful. Um, All the NHL writers, especially, you know, when they're in Ottawa or when I'm on the road in their city, um, people like Myrtle, he's obviously my boss, but he's been great. Like Jeremy Rutherford in St. Louis, Mike Russo, like these are some huge, huge NHL writers. And, you know, they're reaching out to me and saying like, I love your story you did, or, hey, I'm gonna be in Ottawa, let's grab a coffee or let's grab lunch or dinner. And like, these are just some of the best writers that I've ever read, let alone met and been colleagues with. So this company is so great to work for as a young person in this industry, because you just have so many incredible veterans to lean on. What I love about The Athletic is that you guys don't just cover the like hard sports stories. You guys also cover, you know, kind of the the culture aspect. And there's kind of some some iffy things in hockey culture, uh, especially as a female fan or a you know female reporter. So in your time covering hockey, do you think hockey culture has gotten you know more accepting of the quote unquote non-traditional players or fans? Yeah, I mean, I think that's difficult because I think everyone's experience in that is completely different. So I can really only speak to what I've experienced here in Ottawa. Um, and I guess I could be called, you know, a non-traditional um maybe person in hockey um, because I am female and you know all the players have been so welcoming to me and I've never had any issues in this locker room even with the Toronto Marlies I never had any problems with the generals I never had any issues so my personal experience with players has been great you know it's it's difficult because I don't necessarily experience maybe what um, you know a person of color would if they're walking into the locker room um, male or female um, or what maybe different fans experience. So that's difficult for me to speak to, especially because it's not something that I've not, not just not experienced, but it's not something that I've, you know, maybe done one of those deep dive feature stories on like Katie Strang has. And, and certainly mm-hmm. there have been a lot of articles and stories showing, you know, how much work there is left to be done. You know, I think the biggest example recently is what happened, you know, with that prospect in New York, um, you know, we can say all the time that we think that we're making these great strides and then something like that happens and it just shows you, you know, there's still a ways to go. And and I think they have the right people at the helm, maybe at the NHL front office level. You know, somebody like Kim Davis um, is, is so great. Um, and I think she's the right person to lead the league to being more accepting and 
um, of non-traditional players and fans um, and making hockey more accessible. And I've had some great conversations. You know, I've listened to Kim speak at panels. I've interviewed her for a story before about what the NHL is doing at the grassroots level to grow the women's game. Um, and, you know, I, I just think if you look at somebody like Kim Davis, I think she's the person who's going to, you know, take that from we have so much more work to do um, to a to where hockey's in a better place. Yeah, Kim Davis is Wonderful incredible <laughs> from everything I've read <laughs> I've never obviously had the chance to talk to her but you know everything I've read about her is you know she's great and she's really trying to steer the ship it's just a really big ship to steer yeah that yeah exactly you know she's someone who when she's in like she commands the room um she's just incredibly impressive you know she's gotten to where she is um because of how intelligent and how hardworking she is um and I've just yeah I'm I'm always very impressed with Kim for sure and I yeah like you said it's a big ship um, but I think she's the right person to to be at the forefront. Yeah, and kind of on that topic, do you think that the NHL is doing enough, you know, like right now to make hockey more accessible to female fans in particular? Yeah, I, I think kind of like I like I said, I think there's always more that you can do. Um, and I think some of the initiatives that they've put in have been great. Um, but it, it's it's difficult. You know, I think Kim's been in her job for about, I, I think she got hired in 2017. Um, forgive me if my memory is faulty there. And, and I think, yeah, it was t- November 2017 that she got hired. And I just think that um, what she's done so far has been really great. Um, I think they are doing some good stuff. Um, you know, they have lots of different um, kind of task force that they've created to to do different things and um but yeah like I said I think there's always more that you can do um and and forgive me I don't have some of the specific things that they've done but you know I know that there was a big thing that the NHL did with Willie O'Ree this year um who was obviously Mm. he broke the NHL's color barrier back in I think 1958 um so I think making someone like Willie at the forefront is really important. Um, there was a really robust Black History Month. But like I said, you know, there's all these great things, but there's always more that you can do. Um, and there's always going to be more to be done, especially when you see things um, like the other day that happened to that the Rangers prospect, too. What happened to Keandre Miller was kind of, it, it made me like sick to my stomach just kind of seeing it happen. I think he handled it you know, as best as you could in that situation. I think I saw the video of it, you know, he just kind of like, you could see that he saw it. And he, he told um, our reporter in New York, Rick, that he saw the comments, like he obviously saw what was flowing through and he just kind of ignored it and, and continued to, to talk and answered questions. Like there was nothing going on. And, and to me, that's just, he should, it's just really sad that, you know, somebody, would put him in that position. Um, it's just not right. Um, and you know, I, so like I said, I just think there's always going to be more that you can do if you have people, um, so small minded to act that way. Yeah. And that's wow. That would, it just gets really heavy when I ask that question. <laughs> yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, that's always something that I find it difficult to speak to. Cause like I said, it's everyone's, you know, their own experience in it. And like I said, you know, I, I've been lucky, in, in ways um, because I haven't experienced anything close to to what something like Keandre Miller or anyone else in, in hockey have experienced. So it's difficult for me to touch on because I don't want to speak about someone else's experience in the game. Yeah, yeah, I really understand that. As a 
as a, you know, a white woman, I feel like I get much less of the, you know, awfulness that sometimes hockey fans who are women of color or just like a person of color experience. So it's, it can be difficult to kind of talk about it and speak to experiences that you haven't had. Yeah, exactly. Kind of on the topic of women in hockey, how do you think we can get more women involved in hockey? Um, I think a lot of it kind of goes back to maybe when I said, you know, when I was a kid, I saw Christine Simpson on TV and it's very much that representation. Um, if mm-hmm. you can, it's the, if you can see it, you can believe it or you can be it. Right. So I think mm-hmm. the more, and you know, I didn't grow up thinking that I wanted to be, you know, a GM or a coach or like an athletic therapist because I didn't see that. I never saw that. I saw Christine. So I was like, maybe I'll do sports broadcast. So the more women that are in positions in hockey, the more young girls are going to see those women and think, hey, this is something I could do. You know, if I was growing up, like if, you know, say next, you know, when Seattle's a team, you know, when when Mm -hmm. Seattle, you know, is up and running and whenever hockey gets back, you know, if I'm 10 years old and I see Cami Granato um, or I see the number of women that they've hired in Seattle, I'm thinking, hey, maybe I could be a scout or, hey, maybe I could do analytics or, hey, maybe I could do, you know, way more things than I thought I could do in hockey when I was growing up because all I saw was a broadcaster. That was really the only role that I could picture myself in in the hockey realm as, you know, a young girl. And I don't think it was, you know, it's never it's not an it was never an issue for me because I didn't know that there was, you know, other options. And obviously I love my job and I'm so grateful for the position I'm in, but who knows, maybe if I would have saw Cami or um, even like a, a Haley Wickenheiser, you see, mm-hmm. then you could maybe picture yourself doing something else. So I think a lot of it's the representation, um, but it's also a lot of the accessibility to, um, I didn't play hockey at a high level growing up. Um, I, w- I grew up in a small town. Um, the registration to play for the single hockey team that wasn't even really in a league because we were such a small town. Like there was no, there was not enough girls playing hockey in my town to have like a league. So it was just like one team. Um, And it was super, it was, it was just so much money. And I remember I wasn't that great at skating. So I never really got to play hockey at a high level because, you know, it just wasn't worth the, the financial trouble to, you know, get all new equipment, pay for this crazy expensive hockey team in this tiny small town that was never going to get me anywhere so I ended up playing basketball and soccer at high levels um, because it was just more accessible so I think the accessibility of hockey plays into it as well Um, but I think a lot of it comes down to that representation and if you can see women in the sport um, younger women can believe that they can achieve those things as well yeah yeah Definitely. And I only have one more question for you. Um, This one might not be easy, but um, what advice do you have for women trying to get started in, you know, writing about hockey? I would say, um, you know, everyone's path is different. So I would say try not to look, you know, you can look towards, say, what I've done or Katie Strang, what what you've done, what anyone in, in hockey and in media have done. You can look to those paths, but there's never one strict path you know if you're not doing the specific things that one of us did it doesn't mean you're not going to get there I think everyone has their own road to get where they want to be um you just have to really want it it's you know I'm not going to sugarcoat it like it's not easy it's it's really hard to get here it's a lot of hard work um because you know you don't it's you have to be one of the best like there's so few 
jobs in this that you really have to work at it to to get to this level. Um, it's just like being, you know, I'm not a, I'm not saying I'm like a NHL caliber player or something, but you know, when you just look at you know making a team or doing something, you know, you have to get to that high level. Um, so it's a mm -hmm. lot of work. Um, it's a lot of hard work, but if you love it and this is what you really want to do, it's so, so worth it. Um, I'm so happy with my job and I'm so happy to be here. Um, but yeah, it's not always going to be easy. Um, I would just say work really hard, network as much as possible. Um, find your role models and your mentors and people you can look to. Um, yeah, this is a tough one. I'm so bad with advice <laughs> because I just feel like everyone's the way that everyone got here is completely different and what worked for me may not work for everyone else. But um, networking was always big for me. Um, trying to find all those opportunities. Like I said, I was working in news, but you know, I kept on finding all these little avenues to work in sports. Um, and I would just say, like, if you ever experience anything where someone's making you feel bad because you're a woman in hockey like it sucks and it's not fair and it that reflects more on that person than on you um some really great advice I got is you know in life not everyone's not everyone is gonna love you um some people may not like you but you know that is more a reflection on them than it is on you um so just keep your head down keep doing what you're doing and don't ever let anyone make you feel like you're out of place just because you're a woman trying to break into this sport. Yeah, that's that's such great advice. I think that's a really high note to end on. So that's I'm where we'll kind stop. of proud of myself. I'm so bad at giving advice. That's, <laughs> that ended up working out well. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, everyone should take what you said to heart, you know, regardless of what they work in or what they do, because it's true. Um, but Haley, thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can people find your work? You know, um, like I mentioned, we're recording this kind of in the far past at this point when by the time you hear this, but you know, where can they find your stuff? Yeah, so they can find my stuff at The Athletic, uh, either at the NHL site or The Athletic Ottawa. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I always forget what my Twitter handle is. Um, it's just at Haley underscore Salvian. Uh, I post most of my articles there or you can find me on The Athletic Ottawa. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you again for coming on. I know that, you know, you've had a really hectic day, so I appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Woman Advantage. I'm Hannah, and we will be back in your ears in a couple of weeks. Bye.